0: in today's episode of crypto over coffee i'm sharing with you three altcoins that i'm buying during this crypto crash but that's not all we're talking about my bitcoin predictions for the weeks and months to come algorand's latest technological advancement and a 404 logic not found segment from the great white north of canada all of which is brought to you today by my friends at Masari and their mainnet crypto conference, but more on that later. That said, you know the drill, grab yourself a coffee, make sure you are subscribed, and stick around for the entire episode. And beware of scammers, I will not reach out to you on social media or in the YouTube comments. Please be safe out there. Alright folks, So you've heard me say it multiple times on this channel before, but bear markets are for builders. The last two major bull markets where we saw massive gains and massive growth in crypto have all been built on a time just like this, a boring, bummer bear market rife with crypto price crashes just like the one we're in now. Seeing Bitcoin and ether leading the drop recently with double digit percentage losses in the last week, lots of the crypto markets, including altcoins, have followed that trend. However, these conditions are what I look for when I want to accumulate altcoins that I have a long-term position in. And the first of the three altcoins that I'm talking about in this opportunity to load up is Cosmos Atom. And by the way, I'm not telling you to buy, please practice good risk management, okay? First of all, Cosmos has the technical foundations of a layer zero blockchain interoperability network already well-established well into the 2021 bull market. So the bear market period for Cosmos is a perfect time to focus on efforts to build up developer adoption, tooling, and upgrades to the core of Cosmos to set up for the next phase of growth for crypto. In particular, technologies like the Cosmos SDK, which is a developer kit that enables builders to more quickly spin up their own purpose-built blockchain networks to tap into Cosmoses, and IBC, the inter-blockchain communication protocol native to Cosmos, they're both huge assets for Cosmos and a differentiator for the project. secondly you have some really favorable news brewing for the cosmos hub sort of the transitive connective layer for many of the blockchain zones in the cosmos network the atom cryptocurrency that underpins the network the cosmos hub is going to get a much needed reinforcement of value with the introduction of interchain security the zones or independent blockchains that connect to each other through the cosmos hub will be able to derive security from the 175 plus validators in the Cosmos Hub validator set, and it currently has extremely high proportions of staked Atom in terms of its security practices. And then beyond that, much speculation is brewing right now about a total revamp of the Atom token economics, dubbed Atom 2.0, which may just be announced at the Cosmoverse event in late September. With improved tokenomics, continued adoption, and technical growth, Cosmos will be a force to be reckoned with in the months and years to come. And institutions are also taking notice, with global investment manager Vanek publishing a report recently about its bullishness on Cosmos, citing predictions of a $140 price target for the Atom cryptocurrency and about 5,000 Cosmos chains connected on the network by 2030. We'll see. Thanks to Onyx Coffee for the coffee. Now, second on the list is one that may surprise you, and it's a bit unassuming, but another altcoin that I'm accumulating is the Graph, or GRT. The Graph provides a decentralized network for indexing and accessing blockchain data. Think things like NFT balances, events, and all kinds of on-chain data. Using the powerful query language GraphQL, developers can build robust user experiences that consume and display on-chain data with verifiable integrity. And that is a massively underrated tool that I believe is indispensable for the entirety of the blockchain space, starting with Ethereum and expanding to other ecosystems. At the core of the Graph's decentralized network for indexing, curating, and consuming this data is the GRT token, which incentivizes node operators that index blockchain data and curators that organize data into queryable subgraphs, and GRT also allows everyday users like you and me to contribute to the security of the network for rewards of course by delegating GRT to the best indexers. Furthermore, developers who are effectively building apps that are consumers of that on-chain data will pay their way for those data queries with the native GRT token. So GRT is at the center of everything in the graph, and for me, I believe the graph is going to be at the core of the tech stack for pretty much every mainstream decentralized application in the future. Every app needs data, and applications in this decentralized ecosystem need decentralized methodologies for accessing and verifying data, especially data that comes from the blockchain. The graph fills that need, and therefore, I'm very optimistic about its future. And the last on my list of three altcoins as promised is the notorious Cardano ADA, a cryptocurrency as polarizing as you can get, but it's one that I believe has pretty serious upside potential in the coming months and years. You know I'm a fan of Cardano, let's be real. Here's the deal. Cardano has been pretty beaten down with delays to its monumental upgrade, the Vassal Hard Fork, which will bring very significant improvements to the scalability and functionality that developers can use to build on the network. To make matters a little bit worse, there's been recent drama related to the pains of decentralized node client upgrades and software development with a node client bug causing all kinds of ruckus in the community. It was kind of blown out of proportion though, let's be honest. Both of these things though have culminated in a real rough patch for the price of ADA, which is sitting at around 46 cents at the time of recording this video. However, if you take your eye away from the microscope for a second and think about the bigger picture, Cardano is in a really solid position to really make a leap from this low point that it's in. First of all, I know at least seven significant Cardano dApps that are primed and ready to go once the Vassal hard fork lands in mainnet. They are waiting in the wings for this to land. And I'm sure there are plenty of others in that same position as well that I don't know of. With the common criticism of Cardano being that no one builds there and there's not enough value there, an influx of new DeFi applications and the volume of transactions that that will bring could be a real catalyst for growth again. And again, being in the world of blockchain, done right is better than done fast. So I would not be surprised if the Vassal hard fork doesn't materialize until the fall 2022 timeframe. But when it does, expect a fairly short-term bump in the significant dApp launches on Cardano's mainnet driving growth. And not only that, but notable existing players like MuesliSwap, for example, are continuously innovating and adding new features and functions as we speak. The name of the game right now for every L1 chain, every layer one is to incentivize builders to build and to set up their network with the maximum degree of feature richness, stability, security, and scalability so that when the next bull market period arises, Their L1 chain is primed to take on developers and users as these new folks come into the space. And Cardano is still right up there in the battle with the other major L1s to compete here. So let's see how the bear market builder period goes. I'm personally betting on a big resurgence of Cardano ADA in the months, and years to come, particularly in a renewed bear market, or bull market, excuse me. Now, I've gotten quite a few DMs recently as well about making a Bitcoin prediction and giving my thoughts on where Bitcoin may go from here because it really leads the crypto markets. Really, there are three options, right? We've got breakout, breakdown, or sideways. And right now, Bitcoin is holding above 20K in the wake of a pretty rough drop from the euphoria of last week's bear market bull trap. Hence, last week's episode's focus was on being cautious about calling for the end of the bear market. We got the payoff already on that idea the reality is the key metrics and macroeconomic factors that would release bitcoin and the rest of crypto into bull mode are just not there yet recent data for on-chain metrics for example shows poor address growth stagnant on-chain activity and overall skittishness from bitcoin miners you have these miners selling bitcoin on the market to cover costs and probably to take some profit as bitcoin approached the mid 20ks in the recent bump in price last week I think that the inflation reporting around the consumer price index reaching what seemed to be a peak caused some temporary relief in crypto and in equities. But the recent stirring of another 75 basis point rate hike from the Federal Reserve has set the stark reality that rate hikes are in fact not over and the fight against inflation is still raging. Again, as I said last week, we will not see a sustained reversal of Bitcoin nor crypto's overall bear market trend until the macroeconomic environment shifts to a more favorable one or until institutional players forcibly play Bitcoin and other crypto into a risk off asset like gold, holding it in large volume as a hedge against inflation and uncertainty. If I had to make a prediction, I'm sticking with my points last week that we could see Bitcoin scrape back into the mid to high 10Ks before bouncing sideways for a good long while around that 20K mark. If you're looking for a buy-in opportunity, you might just get one, but we'll just have to wait and see how deep Bitcoin drops. Your main goal right now should be risk management in my opinion, but what do you think? Let me know on Twitter, at Ashoshi4, or in the YouTube comments what you think about Bitcoin's future, imminently and in the long term. Now, I do want to also take a moment to remind you to check out the Mainnet Crypto Conference that's running from September 21st to September 23rd in New York City, hosted by my friends, the crypto research company, Masari. The Mainnet Conference will bring 4,000-plus crypto builders and thought leaders together to dive deep into the industry's current state and provide projections on the future of this industry that we know and love, giving you the opportunity to network with notable names in the space like OpenSea, Injective, Ave cardano and more if you want to attend mainnet you can get 300 bucks off your pass today by visiting www.mainnet.events and entering promo code hashoshi at checkout again that is entering code hashoshi at checkout in other news the underrated layer one blockchain algorand has yet again contributed a technological invention or asset to the area of cryptography This time, it's not only an asset for the good of the project, but potentially for the good of humanity as well, and that is not an exaggeration. The Algorand Foundation recently spoke about its Falcon algorithm and its research team's submission to the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, post-quantum cryptography standards research project. That was a tongue twister. Post-quantum cryptography that is resilient against quantum computers' significant exponential computing power increase over modern hardware is a huge piece of the puzzle for the future of technology, a critical crux of technology. In fact, post-quantum cryptography is one of the most important pieces of research being conducted in tech today. Algorand's Falcon algorithm was selected amongst a handful of others to advance to the next stage of research in the NIST project, which is a huge victory for the team. So expect to see this Falcon algorithm and ancillary projects incorporated into Algorand more and more as time goes on, including as part of the Algorand state proofs that I've discussed on the channel fairly recently. So Tipping my hat to Algorand on this one, and very happy to see the cryptocurrency space contributing to the cryptography space. We should be doing that more and more often. But now my friends, you know what time it is. It's 4.04, that is 4.04 Logic Not Found, a firecracker of a segment on the show where we bring attention to illogical happenings in the crypto space. And if you wanna help this show get some attention, you can hit the like button, you can get subscribed, you can follow the podcast or share it with your friends. Much appreciated, and it really does help the show. Quick little coffee break. Now, the subject of today's illogical escapade is none other than Canada's ridiculous new regulation to protect crypto investors from themselves. Because apparently, people are too stupid to make good decisions without help from regulators, right? Here's the deal. This past week, notable Canadian crypto exchanges in the Toronto area, Bitbuy and Newton, announced that they will be instituting limits of 30k net buy annually for investment in all cryptocurrencies except Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ether and Litecoin, which was apparently proposed during pursuit of licensing from the Ontario Securities Commission or the OSC. So it seems this rule is only applicable in Ontario for now, correct me if I'm wrong, which is one province in Canada, at least for now. We shall see. This net buy limit means that the net total holdings of a restricted crypto asset through 12 month period buys less sales must be less than 30,000 Canadian dollars. To me, this is absolutely ridiculous to limit free market participants from buying what they want to buy in the volume they want to buy. However, even more ridiculous is the fact that the coins on the unrestricted list were clearly selected by someone who was clueless about crypto. The four selected are just the oldest cryptocurrencies, which is an arbitrary, meaningless line drawn in the sand. I mean, please explain to me what criteria Bitcoin Cash met to be selected as an unrestricted coin. What educated framework was applied to make these choices? Nothing about this whole move makes a drop of sense. And the exchanges wanna be licensed, I get it. But why agree to this nonsense? At least negotiate to collaborate on making a framework for selecting unrestricted assets, right? I mean, the whole thing's a 404 logic not found across every facet, and I hope, truly, that this stupidity is not expanded outside of Ontario. I mean, am I missing something here? I really don't understand how this even helps people. If a middle class family buys 30k net per year of an altcoin and loses it all, or a bitcoin cash, they're still in trouble. So the idea here is teach risk management, cash management, and good investing habits in school. That's a real long term solution. Uh, Anyways, maybe I'm crazy. Tell me in the comments. Now, my friends, at this point, let's dive into some Q&A from last week's show. And remember, if you want one of your questions answered, love answering questions on the show, leave them in the YouTube comments. Or if you're on the podcast side of things, tweet me at Hashoshi4 because I do keep track of those there as well. So let me pull up the questions we've got from last week, and then we will get started with these. All right, so the first question I've got here is from Gene Sipes. Hi, Hashoshi, I'm considering mining ERG or ERG, but I hear a lot of people worried about how the Ethereum merge will bring lots of Ethereum miners to ergo and drive up hash rate. Is this FUD or is there something to be seriously considering? So here's the deal. When Ethereum merges to proof of stake, which is going to happen in the September timeframe unless something totally crazy happens. You're gonna have a lot of miners that are probably going to side on an ETH POW fork. So they're gonna try this fork. They're gonna try and continue a proof of work Ethereum network to keep mining. The problem is, I doubt there's gonna be a market for ETH POW. So very quickly, those miners will realize this isn't sustainable, we need to move somewhere else. So they're gonna take those GPUs, which they, and uh, someone in the audience recently corrected me, ASICs are not as popular as GPUs in the Ethereum space these days. I thought that we'd move to ASICs in a lot of cases, but I'm not a miner. Anyways, those GPUs are gonna be applied to all sorts of different networks. Ergo is up there in profitability, but of course, profitability dynamics depend on hash rate and uh, subsidy and all sorts of different variables that will change if there's a large influx of new hash rate, new GPU folks flying into the mix. I would expect Ergo to see quite an influx of hash rate or quite an influx of new miners and new equipment after the merge happens in September. My advice to you on this front, again, me not being a miner, would be I would keep a very close eye before you invest any technical debt or time in starting with Ergo. I would wait until the merge completes, and then I would take a look at some of the common metrics, look at hash rate, look at uh, block subsidy, look at mining profitability. There are pr- plenty of websites out there that talk about this and then make your decision at that point. So get the data first and then make your decision. Uh, if you really wanna get started now, mine ERG and see how it pans out for you. Uh, the reality is is if you're a very small player in a much larger Uh, ecosystem when you're mining, you can still make a little bit of profit, but it might be a little bit harder for you to turn profit uh, in most cases. So please uh, let me know how things go. Leave me a comment in the future, and I would recommend waiting until September to see how things pan out with the merge. Thank you for your question. The next question is from Irish John A. Hi, Hash. Can you recommend a book or website to learn about finding new crypto tokens and judging current projects? I don't want to be a trader. Okay this is the crux of how I approach crypto. I'm not really a trader. I rely on my friends who are traders to do the trading stuff. Maybe occasionally they'll teach me something, but I got too much stuff going on in my brain to learn how to be a trader, okay? So when I go to research something, and by the way, I have a whole Video and ebook coming out this is alpha for you I've got a video and ebook coming out about my crypto research approach It's not perfect I make mistakes too but this is the way that I go about it I've built a framework over the years so make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned for that one It's going to be good it'll be worth the time um, but anyways couple of things that you can do first and foremost Masari there's a reason why I I'm working with them on the channel I've used Masari for a long time. It's not the only source I use, but I'll use Masari, I'll use other crypto researchers and on-chain data, I'll use Glassnode, for example, to really dive into metrics and look at what a blockchain's doing. Beyond that, I've also really, really recommended to people over the years to spend extra time in the documentation of crypto projects. The white papers are maybe a little too dense and technical for people, but the documentation will tell you a lot. First and foremost, if the documentation is well-constructed, organized, and clear, you have a pretty good idea that the project knows what they're talking about. They've got a team dedicated to distilling that content for you, for someone who wants to understand how it works. When I see sparse documentation, that's a red flag to me. That's a red flag. So just the fact that there is good documentation will make a big difference in whether I perceive a project as something worth more time and research or not. Once you have that, I want to understand how core components work. I want to know the token economics. I want to know whether the project was actually audited. I want to know uh, an audit report. So you can go to Certik's website, a, a renowned crypto auditor, and you can check to see if they've audited a project. And you can often find reports around what they found there. That's a good due diligence place to go. There isn't a really good singular book or resource that you can use to master researching projects, unfortunately. Hopefully the book that I'm working on will actually be one of those things to fill that need. It might not be perfect, but it should be one of those things to fill the need. Uh, But that being said, John, documentation, Masari, Glassnode, and then really expand your research, watch videos, read medium articles, get a really well-rounded perspective on that project. You wanna look at the negative and the positive. Usually the truth is somewhere in the middle and then you can make your own determination. Thank you for your question. Next question is from Don R from Twitter. Uh, Final part of the question here is, is web three more susceptible to scammers than web two or web one, or is it the same? What's true? So right now, where we are today, web three or this whole crypto space is more susceptible to scammers. Why? Because very few people truly understand the space. There's a lot of confusion. There's a very small community, and a lot of people are driven, not by their love of the technology or the vision, but by money. They want to make money as quickly as possible. They see crypto and Web3 as a way to do it. Venture capitalists, all the way down to the smallest retail investor, share that, that sort of greed motivation. And I'm not judging you if you're interested in money. We all are. The reality that I'm trying to, to point to, though, is that scams are easier to perpetrate when people are motivated by greed, because all you have to do to scam someone is promise them something or to appeal to that emotion, and you can trick them into doing stupid things. MetaMask scams are a great example of that. People who expose their seed phrase by sharing their screen or signing a transaction or uh, giving remote access to their desktop to a scammer who says, hey, I'm gonna help you uh, claim this airdrop or something those are very common and it appeals to the emotional side of greed we, you want to make that money you want that free airdrop you want this thing and so therefore you're, you're not thinking clearly about the implications of what you're about to do so yes scams are more prevalent in web 3 right now because of the place that we are in in maturity Over time, you'll see it become more like Web2 where scams don't go away, but people are maybe a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser to the common ways that scammers perpetrate scams in the space. The reality is scammers will never go away. And as long as there's innovation, as long as there's money to be made and people to scam, people will be scamming. So that's my answer. Thank you for your question, Don. And then lastly, we've got Crypto Stevo. How do you choose which validator to delegate your coins to that you want to stake. So this is all about staking and delegation. So whether you're on Cardano or you're on Cosmos, you're on the graph, you're on any of the blockchains that we've talked about on the show many times, many of them use proof of stake in some form or fashion where you can delegate your coins to a validator and you earn rewards in return for contributing to securing the network. You're voting for the validator that you believe is best suited to act in the interest of the network, make blocks, drive the network forward, and select select blocks. It's the, the key to security on the network. Anyways, the way that I select validators and the way that many people select validators as protocols define them, as you would want to do it, is you want to select validators that balance incentives they should be maintaining solid uptime they should be upgrading their nodes when new client releases are out there and they should be evaluating whether or not they should be upgrading their node client right they should be doing due diligence on new software releases they should also be making blocks consistently they should be making sure that they are treating uh, their delegators like Customers in a sense, treating you like constituents or voters, keeping you informed if there's an issue, being very clear and transparent about it. Those are some of the things that you want to see. Now, the protocols and the software is going to handle a lot of the work for them, right? They need to create a good environment, good hardware, good internet connection, etc. Stability in order to do their job on the network. Other platforms like the graph, they might have other jobs, right? You need to run another blockchain node. You need to extract data from that. Curators in the graph might curate data. Regardless, there are different drivers for what a good job does, what in the best interest of the network is depending on the platform you're on. But the reality is that's how you should select a validator. The secondary piece is how your rewards are gonna be distributed, right? So some protocols like the one, um, the delegation protocols behind Cardano, For example, there is an incentive with the saturation level when a certain amount of ADA is delegated to a stake pool, the rewards start to diminish. The reason for that is because it's encouraging you as a delegator to spread your ADA out to smaller stake pools that are unsaturated, which basically incentivizes decentralization. People circumvent this at times by creating multiple stake pools. You see YouTubers doing that a lot. That's a contentious topic in and of itself, but that's where you have a lot of power as a delegator. You decide what's right and what's wrong in that front. So you can delegate to maximize your rewards as long as it's still in the best interest of the network because that's the key to the security. Incentives are aligned between the rest of the network, you and the validator or the node runner. That's the key to security. And so therefore, you want to make sure that all the incentives are aligned, you're getting rewarded, they're doing a good job validating the network, and subsequently, the whole network is thriving, and your rewards keep flowing. And that is the whole concept. That's how I go about selecting validators. Um, And of course, you'll probably have friends or your favorite YouTubers that run validators, and that's fine. Um, But just beware, make sure they're doing a good job. That's the key. All right, folks, that's going to do it for crypto over coffee. If you have some time to stick around, please do check out last week's episode of crypto over coffee because I did some analysis on whether or not the bear market is over. Really pertinent for where we are right now with this crypto crash. I think a lot of people were surprised that this happened, uh, but I talked a lot about that last week. So I'll leave that video here uh, along with the rest of the playlist for crypto over coffee. Uh, Thank you so much. Hope you and your family have a wonderful rest of your weekend and until next time. Cheers.